Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This episode is a combination of the previous two episodes on short-term investing. In this episode, Guillaume will take us through what considerations a corporate treasurer needs to take into account when managing the short-term cash of a corporation, and also the instruments that they can use to achieve those goals. We hope you enjoy the episode. So, Guillaume, we talked in the past about short-term uh, funding yep. and specifically how a corporate would go around short-term funding and why it's needed, right? Mm-hmm. So that's in order to get cash. Yeah. So once you have the cash, what do you do with it exactly? Or if you already have cash laying around, what's mm-hmm. the role of a corporate treasurer in managing that cash? Yeah, indeed. So we talked about short-term funding and how it was embedded to the cash flow forecasting strategy, right? Uh, and now we indeed want to look at the other way around. What if we have excess of cash, uh, more than we need actually, and what do we do with them? Uh, and it's typically the case in certain industries, right? Such as big retail companies, for instance, which uh, negotiate very long-term payment delays uh, with their suppliers, but get their money right away uh, from their customers, right? When you go to a shop, you just pay it right away. Uh, so it can quickly represent a lot of cash, and there are many other industries uh, where this is the case. Uh, so we talk about investing that money and in this episode of my purpose we focus on the short and medium term investments so we're gonna uh, disregard long term investment for now because that's what we mostly look at as a corporate treasurer okay so when it comes to funding Mm -hmm. um, I guess it's quite straightforward to a corporate treasury right you look at how much money you are going to need and then you find the most uh, suitable instrument to gain that money the cash markets the uh, loans etc etc yeah um but how does a corporate need to look at investing the money that it has already then yeah so as an individual usam you probably make some investment as well uh, some investment funds look at uh, investing their money of course and the money of uh, their clients so as a corporate treasurer the strategy is a bit different so usually the responsible for this will be the cash manager uh, he's responsible for that aspect of the treasury, like investing the excess of money and get funds if needed. Um, and there, there are several things uh, he needs to bear in mind and take into account when looking at investments. Um, so first and foremost, we must re- bear in mind that having the cash sitting on the back account is the worst thing you want to do um, because it brings little to zero interest. And it's especially the case nowadays, especially with euro, Uh, where we're in the context of negative interests. So basically having your cash sitting on the back account make you lose money. Uh, So you want to invest the excess of cash you have. Now, as a corporate treasurer, and uh, we talked about it already, we are all about managing risk. And we do not want to have too much risk on the principal. Principal means the amount invested because we cannot really afford losing money. Uh, That wouldn't be a good way to optimize cash, obviously. So... We do not want to take too much risk. That's the first thing to bear in mind. We also want to keep that cash reasonably available, liquid, right? Uh, Whatever instrument uh, you will use, you want it to be able uh, to be sold quickly uh, if you suddenly need cash, for instance. You want to keep that liquidity uh, aspect in mind. And of course, you want to optimize the return. So in that small window of low risk and high liquidity, you want to make as many returns as possible. So when investing, the corporate treasurer needs to consider the following things in that precise order of priority, security of the principal, liquidity, 
and yield, obviously, which means return on investment. Mm-hmm. And so I, I get a tingle that one of our favorite phrases is coming back here, Guillaume, which is risk appetite. Exactly. Right? So <laughs> uh, as with every decision that a corporate needs to be, especially a treasurer in a corporate world needs to make, it's all about yep. the risk appetite of the group, the company and the treasurer at that moment of time. If we have cash, how much do we want to have it liquid mm-hmm. versus having yields on it, perhaps, or these conflicting variables that we need to optimize for? Yeah. Right. So in all of that, it sounds like security is the most important of those three. It right? is. Right. You're yeah. keeping the cash, but you don't want to keep it just lying in a bank necessarily if you have low or even negative interest rates. Mm-hmm. So the whole point of investment is that there is embedded risk, right? Exactly. Everyone knows if you're going to invest money, there's a risk associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um how do you make sure that it is as secure as possible? Yeah, that's very important to Sam. Um, so we want to look at two things here. First one is uh, we don't want the investment to lose value, obviously, like a stock would, for instance, right? When you invest on a stock, uh, it can go up or down. Um, when you look at investment from a corporate treasury perspective, you don't want to go on stock, for instance, because that is likely to go down potentially. Um, and you also want to, to recover the totality of the invested money. So there are several things to tackle this. Um, as a treasurer responsible for the investment, you closely monitor the credit and counterparty risk. There are some small nuances between the two of them, but basically what we have to remember is you want to avoid the possibility of a loss resulting from a borrower's failure to repay a loan or meet contractual obligations. So it can be for the totality of the principal or even part of the principal. So you want to look at investments that have a low credit risk and you want to look at counterparties with a good credit rating. And that's where I think we divert away from the example of the individual investor, Mm -hmm. right? Where the individual investor might have uh, more looking at yield. Mm -hmm. Here it's really about securing the money so that... You don't lose that, right? Exactly. So you talked about credit rating. Um, I've heard of credit ratings before. I think most of our listeners will have an understanding of what credit rating is. Indeed. Um, but maybe it's a little bit different in the corporate world. Like what kind of uh, companies are managing credit rating for a corporate, for example, game? Yeah. So um, you might have heard of those rating agencies, uh, Moody's, S&P, Fitch. Those are rating agencies. Uh, we've specifially heard about them uh, after the 2008 crisis, right? When they were securing that a lot of banks were really safe and in the end it appeared that not that much. Uh, but anyways, this is uh, for a specific context. Those agencies and their role is to run thorough, as much as possible, analysis of the financials and more uh, aspects of the businesses and assess whether those businesses are likely to repair their debt if landed money or not. So. The worse the rating, obviously, the more risk there is of not getting your money back as an investor. As a corporate treasurer, you want to look at those ratings or in more global aspects and a more global uh, perspective, you want to look at how likely the counterparty you are investing your money for um, is to repay your money. And vice versa, right? As a corporate treasurer, you probably want to make sure your own company metrics are also Very uh, true. in a good health yeah. so that... If you, when you need short-term investment or short-term funding in the future, yeah. then you also want to be a, a credible uh, party to be lended to. Absolutely. Yeah. Going back again to the whole um, risk appetite thing, right? Like at the end of the day, corporates also want to make money. And, yes. And the basic, well, maybe not an all-standing principle, but a well-known principle of investing overall is high risk is high reward. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So does that apply here as well? Still? 
Absolutely. So yeah, the higher the risk, the higher the reward, right? When you lend money to a company that has a low rating uh, by one of those uh, agencies, Moody's, S&P and Fitch, um, by nature, the interest rate they will have to repay you will be higher than a well-rated counterparty. Uh, but here again, as a treasurer, you want to minimize and mitigate any kind of risks linked to money. So you do not want to make risky investments, uh, if, even if those would imply high rewards. So you want to look at the counterparty that have very good uh, or at least good credit ratings. And as you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it comes back again to the risk appetite and the overall treasury policy and risk policy of the company. There could be exceptions, of course, uh, where certain financial and treasury departments willingly decide to take risks on their money that exists, but it's rather rare. And again, we are uh, risk managers, so we want to minimize it. Okay. So I like the way you started off the episode by saying like the hierarchy of criteria which you're looking at these investments to. You mm -hmm. said it was security first, yes. liquidity, and then yield. So help us with the liquidity aspect of that. You obviously uh, want the cash available as much as possible, but you don't want it just sitting in a bank because of the low interest rates, right? Yeah. So that's why even if you're going to invest it so that you don't lose out from an uh, interest rates point of view because you could have negative interest rates or from an inflation point of view, so you want to make sure that your money is still in real terms, uh, the same amount or better, um, but that needs to be as accessible as cash, ideally, mm -hmm. right? Um, why is that the case? So you indeed want to uh, make the difference between different things. So first of all, you need still uh, a reserve of cash that will be available in an instant, like from a day to another, because you want to be able to manage unforeseen circumstances, obviously. Crisis. Exactly. For instance, yes. Uh, but you also want to optimize the yield as much as possible. So... A little bit of accounting here, again, um, you can segregate them in three different buckets, the cash you want to invest or not. The first one is operating cash. So you need this cash for your daily operating needs. You want to have direct access to it, whatever happens, and you can't afford losing any part of it. Really, the principal must remain the same. Uh, so you can eventually invest it overnight. We're going to come to it uh, in a second. But it basically is an investment uh, made over the night and you get your money back in the next morning. So it's very, very short term, very low earnings on it. But still, it can be uh, one form of it. Still, your operating cash, you want it to be available um, in an instant. The second bucket will be the liquidity reserve. So this is cash that you won't be using for the coming weeks, month, um, and you can afford to invest it. But you also want to keep it more or less liquid in case of, as we just said, unforeseen circumstances. So you typically look at 3 to 12 months investments instruments uh, for this liquidity reserve. And last but not least, you have the strategic balance. So this is cash that you won't need for sure. And it even has remained on the balance sheets unused. Uh, so you want to invest it for longer period. This is uh, the long-term investment we talked about earlier that we won't tackle in this episode. But we are mentioning it today to have it in mind already. Okay. So your operating cash is something like uh, you're paying your uh, suppliers on a daily basis, you're Indeed. paying your bills, etc., etc. Yeah. Uh, your liquidity reserve will be a little bit more in a crisis scenario, mm -hmm. right? And your strategic balance is, okay, this is the money that we don't foresee we'll need in a crisis, so we're going to invest a little bit more long-term. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Typically, uh, the longer the investment, the higher the return, right? Just because it accrues um, compounding, right? Mm -hmm. And it uh, sits there longer. Is it the same thing here with these sort of long-term investments that these uh, corporates are making? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, that's on point. Obviously, when you invest money on a longer period, you make the cash available for a longer period for the counterparty. So it can make um, more things out of it. Mm -hmm. And it's also the cost of cash, right? So the longer you invest it, the higher the reward, obviously. Um, and here, we, you just mentioned a very important term in all the investment strategies, which is the yield curve. It's really at the heart of it. Uh, so it's the relationship between the maturity of an investment, so how much time it will take for it to mature, to finish, so for you to get your money back, and its linked offered rate. Uh, obviously, an investment with a three-month maturity means that once invested, uh, your money will remain blocked for three months and you will get it back after that period plus your interest. Or it will potentially get, give you interest throughout the life of the investment, depending on the type indeed. Whereas if you invest it on a 12-month period, you are more likely to have more interest rates. Uh, typically, in normal market conditions, the longer the maturity, the better the interest rates indeed. There can be some small exceptions sometimes, uh, especially in recession time, where we consider that uh, the money invested will not be worth as much in a longer period than in the short, short term. But that's really a specific case. Mm -hmm. um, so basic principle is the more available, the more readily available the cash is, i.e. the more liquid the cash is, mm -hmm. the less return you get out of it and vice versa. The, exactly. the longer you isolate your cash and you're not able to access it, the more the party which you have invested in is willing to pay you just to hold your cash for longer, right? Mm -hmm. I think it works the same with uh, bonds, for example, right? Yeah. Uh, the longer the term of the government bond, the typically the higher the return uh, and vice versa as well. Precisely. Um, I've also seen some yield farms, for example, they do the same thing. They hold your cash for a certain amount of time and pay a certain amount of interest. Yeah. Uh, those are from the individual level. So I assume it's, again, the same on the corporate level. It's uh, it's linked. We're going to come to it in a minute. But indeed, uh, those are instruments that uh, are also used in the corporate world. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> again, risk appetite, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you're protecting your cash... Uh, so it doesn't lose the principal value. Mm -hmm. That's your primary concern as a treasurer, not necessarily making yes. back on yield, although that comes in secondary. Um, so you don't want to make risky investments because you don't want to lose the money. Mm -hmm. uh, and therefore, you're willing to not make that much yield or interest or money back on it. Yes. Right? But at the same time, you don't want to have two long-term investments because you need to have the cash liquid and available. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, which again means you don't earn a lot. So you don't really investing to earn you're investing <laughs> to keep the money safe exactly all right yeah so indeed it may sound like uh, you're not making a lot of money out of it because you don't take any risk and you want the money available so that's the two parameters that usually help getting a more or less uh, better interest rates but in this case we are always going for the lowest um, but that's quite correct summary actually as you mentioned, it's the risk appetite and overall strategy. But yes, the role of the treasurer is to manage money in the most efficient way. So whatever money we have on the bank account, we want to make the most out of it. Uh, but you still have to keep in mind and ensure the solvency of the group at all costs. So liquidity and keeping the principal is the most important. Now, investing your money will obviously be more interesting than having it sitting on a bank account, but it won't be enormous. Even though, depending on the amount we are talking about, it can quickly be millions over years, if not more. Just give me an example again. Yes, uh, I know our listeners love examples. So, 
Hussam, let's say Hussam's corporate is a worldwide company, right? With, uh, let's say, a multi-billion euro turnover yearly. Um, 10 billion, for instance, just to say something. And you have an average available cash balance of 500 million euros, so half a billion euro, uh, because you have good payment delays and the business is doing good. So even at a 2% interest rate, which is rather low, huh, to be 100% honest, but in a context of negative euro interest rates is quite okay. At the end of the year, that's still 10 million euros that you made your company earn. So this, without endangering the business whatsoever, is still something. You can make quite a lot of things with 10 million euros. So again, it's all a matter of perspective, right? Yeah, I mean, 2% on half a billion is a lot of money. Exactly. And so for the biggest companies of this world, this is not so bold of an assumption, actually, uh, to have like 500 million sitting on the cash accounts all around the world. Uh, it is rather conservative, actually. Let's take the Fortune 500, for instance. Um, the smallest company of it, if we may say, uh, that it's the small company, is around the $25 billion USD turnover each year. So is it that bold to assume that barely more than 2% of its turnover, 500 million, uh, is the consolidated cash of all the balances around the world? I think that's okay. And bringing 10 million out of it is quite something. Okay. So... Very clear, Guillaume. So again, just to summarize, yeah. when a corporate is a corporate treasure is trying to invest the cash, it, the primary uh, purpose of the investment is not to make money back, but the order of priority goes security of the cash, yes, liquidity of the cash. Mm-hmm. So how quickly can we get the cash out again, and then maybe you'll look at yields and where it goes. Yeah. But even at these lower numbers, when you're talking at the scale of a corporate. Um, 2% is a lot of cash. Precisely. In absolute yeah. terms. Yeah. Right? So that makes a lot of sense. So what are those instruments which are high security, uh, high liquidity, and a decent yield? Um, so we're going to come to it in a second. But first, I'd like to mention how do we invest in those short-term investment instruments? So cash managers usually do so via what we call money markets. Uh, where we find banks, other financial institutions, money managers, obviously, brokers, dealers, and of course, corporates. So you can find there investment instruments known to be available in large quantity, so liquid, uh, and short term. So usually, and usually on top of that, with a low credit risk, even though they are some more or less risky than others, obviously. So it is like for the stock exchange, you can find the primary and secondary market, The first one is where you find the instrument initially issued, and the second one is for selling and buying them second-hand, between brackets, if I may say. So you can there invest your money or borrow some, actually. Okay, so those money markets are the stocks exchange for short-term investments, right? It's the equivalent of the stock exchange for the short-term investments, where, as a corporate, you can find your short-term investment options uh, or fundings if you're on the other side. Exactly. And so in order of perceived risk, um, here are the main issuers we want to look at. So governments and government agencies, obviously. You just mentioned the treasury bills a little bit earlier in this episode. This is what we look at typically. Uh, Secondly, we have the banks and financial institutions that are a bit more risky than governments and government agencies, but typically banks with all the mandatory and uh, by-law force ratios, etc., are quite considered safe. And finally, corporations. Okay, so that's a lot more solid. There we go. So you want to uh, look at governments as the least risky, exactly. right, of course, uh, banks and financial institutions, then other corporates. Um, what kind of 
instruments are available if I want to make short-term investments by those governments, for example? Mm -hmm. So for governments, uh, you typically look at what we call treasury bills. Bonds, right? Um, Another word for bonds. Exactly. So it is the, it's the same thing. T-bill, so treasury bill is what we call it in the US, but those are bonds as well indeed. So those are very short-term debt instruments issued by a government, as we just mentioned, uh, usually less than a year, but it can vary. Uh, and it's considered the safest uh, investment you could do, basically. And the most liquid, actually, because you can exchange it on the secondary market. So obviously, the lowest interest rates, um, but when it comes to governments, they are very unlikely to fall, right? And not to repay their debts. Uh, I think in the last 50 years, there has been 20 governments that weren't able to comply with their, uh, with their debts. But actually, they were already very low-rated uh, governments. So... This is what we consider the safest. So that's the government taking a loan from the individuals or the corporates. Exactly. Right. That's how the government issues those. From the markets. Yeah. From the markets. Exactly. And But you mentioned something interesting there, which is uh, they're very liquid, not necessarily because you can get the loan back from the government quicker, but because they're such safe investments, other corporates or, or other par parties in the market are willing to buy those bonds from you. Exactly. So you don't necessarily need to even go back to the government for your money. Mm -hmm. You can just sell the loan or the bond or the treasury bill to another second party yeah. uh, who will buy it off you because they know it's safe. Exactly. And one other interesting point to mention here, especially in that inflation context, um, this is also a way for the government to manage the liquidity available on the market, mm -hmm. right? If they issue a bond or a bill, they will get money out of the market mm -hmm. and therefore decrease the amount of money available, of cash available on the market. So this is also an interesting instrument when we look at inflation. But this is for another... So it's not episode. something the government just does for because the government needs money, but it's also a tool also. that they use to take money out of the economy. Exactly. Right? But they also use it to fund their activity, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so what about banks and financial institutions? What are the uh, tools in which me as a corporate would go into a market and say, hey, look, I want to go and uh, uh, invest in some banks and financial institutions? What, mm -hmm. what are those? So there are quite some here. So let's tackle them uh, one by one, obviously. The first one I'd like to mention is the overnight investment fund. So this is uh, usually offered by the banks and it's an automatic overnight investment vehicle. So what we are looking at here basically is the money is taken out of your bank account at the end of the day and put back the morning after. As simple as that. Again, it's rather safe because the money is invested for a very short period of time and seamless in terms of liquidity, right? Uh, you go to sleep and the, money, the morning after, your money is still here. So rates on this are usually low and the risk is rather low as well. Second instrument we look at are bank deposits, or also called time deposits. So those are fixed term investments, one to six months. It's not really liquid. Uh, the funds cannot be withdrawn before the maturity unless you pay heavy penalties. And it's not available on the secondary markets. Um, so it cannot be bought or sold on it. Not like the third instrument, which is certificates of deposits. It's basically the same tool as we just mentioned. It's like a bank deposit, but negotiable. So it's exchangeable on the secondary markets. Uh, it's also from a period of one to six months, but you can exchange them. And it requires a bit more paperwork, which is why there is a difference. Uh, the fourth one is a banker's acceptance. So this is a short-term note issued by commercial banks uh, that arise from specific trade transactions. We're not going to enter into the details of this, but most have a maturity of six months and are embedded to a specific trade transaction. Last but not least, uh, I'd like to mention the repurchase agreement. So this is a short-term 
often overnight, actually, investment. Um, and the mechanism is the investor, so the lender, buys certain securities from the borrower, usually very safe ones, such as government uh, securities. And the borrower might be, let's say, a bank, uh, which needs very short-term money. The borrower promises to repurchase the securities at a specified price and date, with obviously a price difference, making it profitable for the lender. Those are the five instruments I wanted to talk about. So just a quick recap. Overnight investment funds, bank deposits, certificates of deposits, bankers' acceptance, and repurchase agreements. One thing that seems to come up a lot, which I find quite interesting here, Guillaume, is like um, the liquidity of these investments mm -hmm. isn't just linked to the payment term on the actual investment, but also how... Uh, readily resellable that is to others on the market. Absolutely. Right? Whereas yeah. some people would have thought, okay, six-month fixed period investment isn't very liquid at all, mm -hmm. but if you can sell that tomorrow to someone else that's willing to take that six-month yield, absolutely. then that, that makes it very liquid. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very important point. Very clear. So what about corporates? Uh, we went through the, the safest, which was the governments, then mm -hmm. the second, which was the banks and financial institutions. You said the corporates was the most risky but in line with our uh, original principle of high risk, high reward, I assume they also make the most money out of them. Absolutely. So compared to the two previous categories we just mentioned, they are indeed the most interesting when we look at high rewards between brackets again. Um, and here, there is only one tool to mention because it's the most commonly used and uh, the most issued by corporates, which is the commercial paper. This is a short-term unsecured promissory note. Let's break down uh, that a bit. So... Unsecured means there is no collateral to secure the investment. We mentioned this when we talked about overdraft, for instance, like um, the amount of money you're able to go below zero on your bank account. An unsecured one is that uh, the bank doesn't take any guarantee on this. So no collateral to secure the investment. It works the same way for a commercial paper. Promissory note means uh, basically the borrower promises uh, to pay the other party uh, a certain amount of money at a certain time. And the promissory note is that. So usually those instruments, the commercial papers, are issued for 30 to 60 days, but can be as short as one day, for instance. Um, last but not least, I'd like to mention something different. So it's not directly linked to the corporates, but what we call money market funds. So those are standalone pooled investments, which actively invest in all the instruments we just mentioned above. Uh, so the treasurers do not have to do the whole work or research themselves, but can instead trust a third party with their money. Usually, money market funds are managed by big banks or big financial institutions. Um, and it's a good alternative to bank deposits because money market funds are meant to keep the three principles we mentioned again and again during this episode. Security, first, liquidity, second, and yield, uh, finally. And they work pretty much the same way as an investment fund would. You just entrust them with your money and they do the overall investment for you, diversifying as much as possible. And you have different risk profiles depending on how you want to invest your money. That is it, Usain. That was quite a piece for the instruments of short-term investment.